I have more regrets. I don't want to come to the end of my life and take off a brooch and say, two more people. I don't want to go to my closet and pull out one of a thousand outfits and say, one more could have come. As many of you know, I've been in the pro-life movement for many years, and this is an amazing statistic, and it's true here in Lakeland. Crisis pregnancy centers across the nation, it cost about $1,000 to save a baby. $1,000. It's a lot of change. It's $83 a month. It's $21 a week. It's $4 a day. We spend $4 if we go to the value menu at Wendy's. One life saved. And as they said in that ring, one life saved, we saved the world. Could we find $4 a day? A day. To save one baby? and transform the, the mother's life. I don't want, and this is, we're, this is totally against all first place for health rules and regulations. <laughs> but this is my life message. And I wanted to share it with you guys because I believe I'll be back. Trusting God will protect me while I'm over there, but I am going to a place where people die every day. They die here in Polk County every day too, but <laughs> it's usually not with guns and bombs. This is my life message. Because I don't want anybody to say, I wish I would have known. And not on my watch. Because I don't want you to have regrets at the end of your life. Saying, I wish I could have done more. And we in America, as Pastor talked about today, and it is more than just generosity, it's more than just finances. Because I'm with Pastor, sometimes the easiest thing for me to do is just to write a check. But it's with our time, it's with our talent. It's with our love, it's with our joy, it's with our peace, with our grace, our mercy. We generously give grace, we generously give mercy. We're going to look in two sections. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where I want you to go first. I brought Kleenex, but I kind of kept them down at this end of the table. <laughs> at least I thought about y'all. I know how it is. I just watched this on Thursday and I lost it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's profound. One of my worst, most awful favorite movies. It is intense. It is intense. It's intense. It's intense. And this was a man who was not a believer. He was not Jewish. As he said, he was a Nazi party member. Yeah. And he just, he had, there was, his accountant would spoke to him. Took one person. 1,100 people. Generations. Untold generations. That one man. Save one seventh of all that were lost. One man. What can one? What can we? One person. What can we do? And I love what he said. I, I just, I wasted so much money. Mm-hmm. Wasted so much money. I think about that often. Think about it often. First Corinthians chapter three. We'll begin. We'll begin in. Uh, well, I'll begin in six. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything but he who waters, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. 
Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But eat, let each one take heed how he builds on it. Here's what's happening in Corinth. Apollos has come, and people are saying, I'm following Apollos. Some people say, no, I'm following Paul. And Paul is saying, look, dude, don't follow Apollos. Don't follow Paul. Follow Jesus. And we're all equal workers here. We're all equal you know, laborers here, some of us plant, some of us water, you know. We all like the ones who harvest. I mean, I always want to be the harvester. You know, I want to bring in the fruit. I don't want to be planting in, our, in April and May and fighting with the soil and then herbiciding and pulling weeds and all that stuff in July. I just want to harvest. But somebody's got to harvest and somebody's got to water. And this is the key, verse 11. For no foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, Wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, capital D, will come back, will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which is built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And then we go on to those verses that we know so well. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to stop right there wow. at 15 is where I want to stop at on those kind of things. So here's what Paul is saying right here. Okay, he has built a foundation, and nobody can lay any other foundation than Jesus Christ. Pen, please work. In Jesus' name. So here's the foundation that we have all been created, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. And if your foundation is not Jesus Christ, then you are on sinking sand. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't care if politically correct or whatever. If your foundation is not Jesus Christ... If your foundation is a preacher, a denomination, a Bible, even, I mean, a Bible study, Come on. even works that you do, if you think it's works, because I have my quiet time, because I've been baptized, because I tithe, I'm going to go to heaven. No, if our foundation is not Jesus Christ, then we of all people are to be pitied. And the truth is, the bottom line truth is, I believe that the number of people that sit in a church pew on any given Sunday that think they have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ is staggering. Staggering, the number of people. Um, we might come back to that. Um, it's, it's staggering on that. Billy Graham thinks that 80% of all church people, but folks who are in church on Sunday, are lost. And I believe that. Look at our church. I mean, capital C church. Look at our church. And what, what difference are we making? Here was one man who was lost that did not have the foundation of Jesus Christ. Saved 1,100. Look what he did. I'm just saying. We have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. Whew. So, all right, so foundation of Jesus Christ. So no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, I like this is interesting. If anyone builds on that foundation, what that means is you can have a foundation in Jesus Christ and never build on it. That's true. And never build on it. Saved, going to glory, got a place on a mansion up there, it's happening. Foundation is Jesus Christ, but you never chose to get sanctified. You never chose to walk out the power that dwells inside of us. You never walked out or was all for wrong motives. So that's the choice. That's the choice. And believe it or not, and this is why we need to give grace to those that are around us, Jesus doesn't care. I mean, he does care, but he's not going to punish us. He's not even, he will chase after us. He will come and get us. But it's, he, he freely gives his grace even to those that he knows will reject it. Even in those that he knows they will tread over it. 
They will tread over it. Right, we got to go there. First, second, third. Matthew, I think it's 11. Help me, Jesus. Uh, the parable of the sower. Thank you. Parable of the sower. Find that for me, Valon, and then I'll talk about it. First, Luke 4, that'll work too. Luke 4. I don't have an explanation to find. I can tell you the story. Luke 4. Matt, first, second, third, fourth soil. You remember we talked about if you scatter the soil on the side of the road, nothing happens. You scatter the soils around the rocks, and so it, it, um, it doesn't grow up because it can't go very deep. Mark 4. It doesn't go very deep. The third soil is those... I'll wait for somebody to get there. I'm there. Mark 4. Okay, we're not reading it. I'm just, I just want you to be focused on what it is. Third soil... Third soil person is someone who the root has gone down, but the what happens? What happens? The worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth come in and choke out its fruitfulness. Verse nineteen. Not its lostness. Its fruitfulness. It still it's, it it doesn't get ripped out. See, first and second soil folks, they don't no fruit. It gets ripped out. Nothing. Nothing happens. They're gone. They're lost. They're lost. I mean, they have no hope for salvation. Third and fourth soul people are Christians. They're believers. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness. Who has had their fruitfulness ripped out of their soul because of the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of life? Today, who's had fruit stolen from their life? I have. I've walked there. I'm sold out, blood-bought, never going back, going to glory, ruling with him in the thousand years. I'm going. But we will let the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out our fruitfulness. And then what happens in the fourth soil? That's good soil. And not only do we get a little return, like, like a twofold return, that would be plant one seed, get two seeds. No, 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 it's not even like a tenfold return, which is that's what you get at the stock market. So as a fundraiser, I'm like, I guarantee you better than the stock market. A good year in the stock market, you invest a dollar, you get ten dollars. That's a very good year. That's a good year. That's a good year. That's the year it used to be. That's how Enron ran those a few years, and then they liked it so much they kept on running them without, but not reality. But and then, but Jesus says we got thirty fold, which is just like that's like just the minimum. I mean, that's like just the beginning. He says thirty fold. You hang out in your fourth soil. I'm going to guarantee you thirty fold on your return. Sixty, hundred fold, hundred fold. You invest one seed. You get a hundred seeds out of it. Good soil. You know what? And here's what is so sweet. Who would not, who would not, what farmer would not continue to invest in the fourth soil? Who would not continue to invest? I mean, hello. I'm going to, I mean, you can fix the, you know, say you got a hole in your truck and that's why it's going on the side of the road. Fix the hole in the truck. Number two, you got stones. Dig up the stones. But is it really worth it? The better return on my investment is do this fourth soil over here. Fourth soil, because we will, we do have fruit, and it will be rewards, and that's what I want you guys to be is fourth soil, and that's what when we build on our foundation, that's what it gets to. Okay, so so I, I the little huge thing to take away on that is that if in your life you're not seeing the fruit being manifested, and that is both love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and also just the fruit and abundancy in all areas of your life. Both in, in um, I believe in all areas, all four-sided person, body, mind, soul, spirit. I mean, physically, I believe. Financially, I believe that. Emotionally, if that's not happening in your life, you know what I'd say first? Check out, are you being choked out? Are you allowing the cares of this world 
and the worries, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the cares of this world to choke it out. To choke it out. If, if that's what it is, then fix it. Stop it. Mm-hmm. We sang that today. You're my hiding place. Songs of deliverance are filling my heart. He's ever filling us with songs of deliverance. What do you need to be delivered from? Done. Done. Come on. Verse 12, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. So this is how you work. So you build, you start building on this thing, and some of us will build, and none of us are perfect, so some of us will build with gold, some will be straw, some will be hay, some will be wood, some will be precious stones, some will be silver. Okay, so we're going to build up. We're building a big house, you know? The thief on the cross who got saved, you know what? He was right here. He didn't have anything. He had foundation. He didn't have anything. Deathbed confession. You know what that is? Right here. Deathbed confession, right here. Nothing built on top of it. Nothing built on top of it. Um, verse 5. Verse, don't turn there, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, for good or bad. Now, that's what I want to talk about, the day. The day. See, we as believers, spirit-filled, blood-bought, believers in Jesus Christ, who have the foundation of Jesus Christ, will stand before the Lord one day for judgment. And we will say, no, I'm saved, I'm not going to... We will. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ. And what we... It's not the Bema Seat of Christ, it's the Judgment Seat of Christ. And it's not the great white throne judgment. We'll watch that, but that's a whole other story. But we as believers, what it says both in 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5, we will stand before the Lord on the, His day, capital D day. We don't know when that's going to be. We don't know if it's before rapture, post-rapture, middle of rapture. We don't know when. Right? I have a good idea when it is, but, but that's my opinion and I won't go there. But we will one day stand before Jesus mm-hmm. to be judged for what we do in the body, post-foundation of Jesus Christ. Not pre-foundation, because we don't have, we're just lost. Milan and I were walking through Walmart yesterday. And we saw this guy, and I'm telling you, he was so lost. Both of us were just overcome with the fact that he was lost. I mean, just, just lost. Lost. He doesn't know, he's just stumbling over the darkness. One of our scriptures we looked at, stumbling over the darkness. And he doesn't even know what he's stumbling over. It's so dark that he's what he's in. He's what he's in. But we as believers will be judged for what goes on here. What goes on in our body, for good or for bad, and then we'll get a reward. And I'm, not, I'm sorry. What, is, what does Hebrews 4 tell us? If you want to please the Lord, what, what does it say? You have to believe that he, he exists and that he is a rewarder. Diligently seek him. The, right. the demons believe that he exists. That's right. The demons believe he exists. So what's the difference? We believe he's going to reward us. So I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Jesus, I want a big pile. <laughs> big pile. And he's like, okay, I want to give you a big pile. Because he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder and he wants to give us a big pile. So we're going to stand before him on the judgment day of Christ. And he's going to look at our life. How we built on this foundation that he's given us. And somewhere out of somewhere is going to be fire. I don't know if it's going to come out of his eyes, out of his fingers. It was just going to happen. But somewhere out of fire is going to come down and consume all this stuff. Consume all stuff. Now, obviously, the foundation is not going to be touched. It's going to be solid. If we built, if our home is totally built with wood, straw, hay, what happens when fire comes on wood, wood, straw, hay? That's it. I still got my foundation. I'm going to glory. Praise God. 
but I don't have any reward. No reward. But if I have gold, silver, precious stones, what happens when fire hits gold, silver, precious stones? It purifies it. It makes it even more valuable. So I want a big pile of gold. And that's, you know, you kind of pray for crop failure. I pray for, you know, rottenness of my wood, hay, wood, hay and straw. And we don't know. We cannot look at somebody and say, what Clarice did, man, that is gold, silver, precious stones. Because it's all in our heart. It's all in our heart. Because I might be able to thinking, look at me. Look at who I am. Look at this big bad self. You know? You know what? And, and a thousand people could get saved. Wood, hay, stubble. If my heart's not right. I'm not broken for the things of God. Broken for the people of God. God is still working on me in a huge area. Lots of areas, but big in this one area. And that is in the area that I have the gift of preaching. And I do not fan into the flame the gift that's been given to me. Paul says to Timothy, he says, fan into the flame the gift that you've been given. Because you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So, the Lord revealed that scripture to me. Well, back up. The Lord revealed to me that I had the gift of preaching because I'm at this teach speaking conference to learn about how to be a better speaker and all these people are sweating over this three-minute presentation. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, I knew we had it, but I just kind of showed up. Three minutes, start the clock. Okay, here we go. I'm making it. What are you going to talk about? <laughs> I understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just, I mean, I, I just get, so I had the gift of preaching. And so the Lord said, and I'm like seeing all these people stressing about it and working it and pulling, you know, taking things out of magazines to have, you know, examples. And I'm like, wow, they're professionals and I'm an amateur. And the next morning the Lord took me to that verse. He said, fan in the flame, the gift. You're not fanning in the flame, the gift you've been given. And the next verse says, you know, because, why should we plan in vain? Because you haven't given a spirit of fear, but of power, power love, 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 and a sound mind. So then I have to look at that and say, okay, I don't have fear, because there is no fear when Becky Turner stands up behind a platform of God. I fear of God, but I, I mean, not, I'm, I, you know, bring it on, I'm more than good. So there's not fear. Sound mind, I'm pretty smart. Pretty sane. Lord's blessed me with some intelligence. You know, I can put a couple of words together and read a book and interpret some things. I mean, I'm halfway smart. <laughs> power. I mean, girl's got power. The girl's got power. So then why do you not fan into flame, Becky? Because I don't love. If I really loved the people I was speaking to, I would spend more time fanning the flame so that what words that God has given me in my heart, in my mind, and my soul to communicate I would make it the very best, the most excellent, and not just get up. And I don't wing it. I never wing it. But do I really love the people I'm speaking to? And when I get up there and I don't have that love, you know what, girls? Wood, hay, stubble. Wood, I'm getting nothing. Getting nothing. Wood, hay, stubble. Wood, hay, stubble. And I want gold, silver, precious stones so we can have a reward. And I believe that reward is something we'll lay before Jesus. I also believe, and this is a thousand-year reign, and this is a whole other teaching. This could be a great year-long study that's so much fun to study the thousand-year reign. Because when you study the thousand-year reign, it all makes sense. And this is what Becky's interpretation, I have no idea what Springfield thinks, but this is what Becky thinks. <laughs> Becky thinks that the seven years, and I can give you scriptures for this, but we won't go there. 
This isn't just, you know, this is what I interpret, and I'm not the only one. This is not new with Becky. Um, at the seven years, after the seven years of tribulation, and, and this is my joke, I always believe I'm, I always want to go for mid-trib, because, you know, believing the rapture will happen mid-tribulation, because if I'm wrong and it's pre-trib, whoo, yeah. you know, but if I'm pre-trib and I'm wrong and it's mid-trib, oh my goodness, that yeah. won't be fun. So anyways, <laughs> so anyways, but after the seven years of tribulation, Jesus comes down, boom, party over. Satan's been thrown in the lake of fire for a season. And for a thousand years, Christ will rule on this earth as it is now. Not the new heavens, the new earth haven't been formed. But there'll be a thousand year reign from this earth, and Jesus will rule, and then we will rule with him. And I believe the reward will determine where you will rule. And when he says in the scripture, when he talks about the kingdom of God, and he says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, People will be in the utter darkness and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You guys remember him talking about that? That's the thousand year reign. Because I believe these people, these that just have this, I don't have any of this, they're dead, deathbed Christians. And you know what, my friends? It was me five years ago. Longer than that. Nine years ago. Eight years ago. When I was tiptoeing along that path of temptation and sin. Tiptoeing along. Tiptoeing. Not going over. A tiptoe, and the Lord afflicted me with headaches. I mean, afflicted me with headaches. And I said, Lord, I mean, long story. James 5, you know, if any of you are sick, go to the elders, confess it to the believer, you know, the, to, the, um, to the elders. And if you help. So, what I'm saying is that the, when I'm sick, the first place I'm always going to look is sin. I'm just going to look there. I'm not saying that every sickness is because of sin. Don't go out of here and say, Becky says that just because you're sick, it's because of sin in your life. Don't say that. For me, I said, so I got headaches. And Lord, and so I'm like, oh, Lord, why do I have headaches? Zing. I mean, <laughs> he will reveal to you if you ask. He immediately revealed. I knew immediately that I was in a mess. And then it says, confess it to, the, to your elders. So I'm like, who am I supposed to confess this to, Lord? Because I went to a mega church. Who am I supposed to confess this to? Zing. He told me exactly what it is. Of course, it was the woman I didn't want to confess it to, above all else. But she showed me great grace. I confessed it to her. That was on a Monday morning. On Wednesday, I said to the Lord, I said, I just want to check, Lord. Was that really you? And is this really right? And was there really? And he said, yeah, it was. And it was me. And I afflicted you. And you had too much on your shoulders. I would have brought you home. He would have not allowed me to fall. He would have killed me. Car accident. Sickness, you would have killed me. I have the fear of the Lord. And this is what would have happened. All this, 12 years of salvation, Georgia right to life, thousands of babies saved, Sunday school teacher, people coming to Jesus, all that, gone. And for a thousand years, when he comes back to reign, I'm sitting in the outer, outer darkness, weeping in gnashing of teeth. That's what I believe. Because in Revelation it says, after these times, he wipes away the tears. There will be tears in heaven. And for me, that's what I would have lost all my kingdom. So fear the Lord, I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord. And that's what happens. Deathbed salvation, thief on the cross, thousand year rank. And I believe the reward, and what I want for the reward is I want a big honking wallet. Because you know what? I want to be in the inner circle. I'm just confessing it to you guys. I want to be in the inner circle. And so I want to work hard in my life, doing what God would call me to do, to live that out, to get as much reward as I can. Keep my heart pure. Does that make sense?
I mean, this is deep stuff that we're talking about. It's deep stuff. And investigate it for yourself. Email me, talk to me, look into it for yourself. This is what the Lord's speaking to me, and it keeps me on the straight and narrow. And that's what I appreciate. I love being on the straight and narrow. So let's talk about, just for a second, about that. What do we build? We've talked about this before. What do, and I'm using the right marker. I don't know what I mean, because it doesn't erase very well. Red never does. <laughs> Giant erase script. So, the bottom line of how we know we build on this is going to be relationships, girls. It's relationships. I mean, it's my relationship with Jesus. It's my relationship with my family, husband, children, parents, grandchildren, in-laws. Come on now. <laughs> Friends. Friends. Boss. Co-workers. Mm -hmm. Boss. Co-workers. Acquaintances. I can't spell that word. Yeah. <laughs> Acquaintances. 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 Etc. Very good. <laughs> well, that's good. I like that. You like that? Acquaintances? Uh, like you know, you know the lady, the checkout lady at Walmart? Mm -hmm. The telemarketer on the, the telemarketer phone? The telemarketer on the phone who calls us dinner. during dinner? Who calls, yes, but only during dinner. Uh-huh. I just, you said, you said call this. Here's a, here's, and we've, this is what we talked about before, and it's the, um, it's the 10 key areas of our life that we need to look at. Right here is body, mind, soul, and spirit, okay? How are we relating? The soul is emotional, body is physical, mental is mental, and spiritual is, of course, how we relate to Jesus. Those four areas. And then on top, outside those next four areas are another four areas that you need to work on, and that is if you're married... Spouse. If you have children, children. And your resources. And this is your time, your touch, your talent, and your sphere of influence. Who do you know? And then the last one is your career. And then after that, believe it or not, comes kingdom. Non-believers. Ten areas. All you got to do is do really good in those ten areas. And at the end of your life, when you stand before Jesus, you will have gold, silver, precious stones. That's it. That's everything. Everything falls into those areas. Those areas above all else. Here's what's profound. And we did the... Did I not do the baseball, tennis ball in here before? Uh -uh. Oh! <laughs> this is good. This is key. So many of us. Who remembers Jesus talking about the whitewashed sepulcher? Because on the outside, he looked really good. He was doing all the church things. Doing all the church things. You know, maybe even sharing Jesus on with some people, all these outbelievers, but in the core. Because if you fail here and here, you fail. If your spouse or your children say, or your closest friends, Say, that ain't her. We failed. Failed. I don't care how many people get saved. We failed. We failed. But, but, 
Here's what's so sweet. But if we work on ourselves, because this is where we this is spirit, this is where we have any inf, any any control is right here. Then we have influence, and then we have impact. Okay, we can control this right here. My body, my soul, mind, soul, and spirit. I can sit down and I can say, and this is a great. Here's a great task you can do this summer. Look at those ten areas and ask yourself, what does success look like? What would success look like in my body? And it can be a real number. 165, size 12. That would work for me. Okay? That would work for me. Mentally, what would that look like for me? Man, if I read about five books about things that are important, business-related, um, uh, things related with relationships, things related with my career, things related with spiritual things. Do you need somebody for Hannah? Clarice. Soul is, of course, your emotions. How are you dealing with your friends? How are you working in that? And spiritual, of course, is having your quiet time. I don't need to go there, right? What does it look like for success? What does it look like for success in your marriage? What does it look like for success in your marriage? You guys have got to identify that. Monthly date night. I don't know. Don't kill each other. I mean, I don't know. Have sex once, twice, three times a week, a month, a year. I mean, what does success look like? Come on, am I right, girls? Come on. Come on. I'm just saying. Children. What did you say? I said I really wanted to say yep right there. Come on. Come on. I'll, I'll, yeah, okay. Anyway, so, um, Children. So I have no biological children that are alive on this side of glory. And, but I have a whole lot of spiritual children that mean a lot to me. And so I was doing this Thursday night, and I was thinking, what does success look like in my children? And this is what I came up with. They're believers. They're spirit-filled. They're virgins, and they marry virgins. They're generous and have an attitude of gratitude. And then for those who are girls, that they fulfill the role of a godly wife and they're able to be a stay-at-home wife. That's success for me and my kids. Okay? Resources, time, touch, talent, influence, career, believers, non-believers. What does success look like in each one of those areas in your life? Okay, so then you look at success. So let me go back right here to children for what I said, or weigh in 165. What do I need to do? What are some strategic, intentional things that I need to do to make that happen? Do you know what that needs to be? Like here with this, with children, you know what? I'm going to share Jesus with them. I'm going to pray over them in the Spirit. I'm going to talk to them about the things of the Spirit. I'm going to model for them generosity. I'm going to model for them gratitude. I'm going to take every single one of my girls at the appropriate time, and we're going to go have dinner. We're going to go have lunch. I'm going to capture those moments to be able to sit down with them and tell them how important it is for children to have both parents. Number one, so don't ever get divorced. And number two, how as women we were created as nurturers. And how many women I know that would give their career up that fast. That fast. Because if we are married, our number one calling is our husband and not our careers. And we maximize our careers and we minimize our calling. That is true. I mean, that's just the way it is. So those are things that I would do. Exercise it. Time, touch, talent, influence. How am I going to spend my money? How am I to, hey, can we talk about tithing our time? What do you mean by touch? Touch is um, 
Who, who do you touch? Who's in your sphere of influence? And that's really time, touch, talent. Yeah, that's it. this really isn't. I got it up there once. Time, touch, and talent. So who's in your sphere of influence? Who do you know that you can impact? And go about that. Because this is the research. This is what I've been given. This is a unique thing that I've been given. This toolbox. We've got the right tools. We can do anything. Don't preach. Our career, believers, non-believers. And here's the sweet thing. If we have this going, these, they're just going to come to us. How, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you have such a great marriage? Man, Beck, I know you, you've got all these kids that look up to you and call you and Beck, how do you do that? And what's your influence? And how can you speak in their lives? How do you do that? Becky, how do you manage your finances? And what do you do with that? And how can you live in two places and... You know, how do you do that? They're going to come to us. You lose weight. How did you do that? Mm -hmm. Your body starts looking outside. You don't revile back when you've been reviled. That's emotions. You don't get offended when you, when you should get offended. You don't, you're not sensitive like you used to be. How did that happen? I used to be angry. Woo! I mean, I, I mean I'm not kidding. 2001. My boss sent me to Bill Gothard Anger Management. I'm just saying. It's bad. It's bad. But God changed me, transformed me. So here's the baseball tennis ball. Tennis ball. Who's ever cut a tennis ball in half? I know. Tennis ball. You ever cut a tennis ball in half? You cut it in half, what's on the inside of it? Hollow. Air. It looks good on the outside. It will last about a set. For us playing tennis, professionally it will last maybe a game, if that. These guys hitting at 110 miles an hour. Any pressure like that, man, it's done. There's no power left. If we as blood-bought believers, spiritual believers, do not have this right, and we're all looking good on the outside, we're just a tennis ball full of empty air. Pressures of life, we're going to fall apart, and we've seen them again. And again, and again, and again, believers who have fallen. Believers who have fallen. Forget about Wiener and all his mess. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's lost. Mm -hmm. Lost. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about believers. But if we take a baseball, let's take a baseball. Mm -hmm. A baseball is only good when it's been scuffed up. Mm -hmm. A brand new baseball, what's the first thing they spit on their hand, get some dirt, rub it together. That's the first thing they do with the baseball. Scuff it up. Looks dirty on the outside. Yeah. It will last forever, a baseball will. You cut it in half, there's a solid hard core in the middle. A solid hard core in the middle. And this is what is beautiful. And this is, I just used this example. I mean, it's so small compared to the power of God. But Mark McGuire, not Mark McGuire, even though I can use him as an example. Josh Hamilton, Texas Rangers, he, Major League Baseball All-Star, did the home run derby. Hit the, he can hit a baseball 420 feet again and again and again and again and again. He cannot, I mean, full of power, power. He cannot hit a tennis ball 450, 420 feet. Impossible. The tennis ball will disintegrate before the baseball will disintegrate. And so if we want the power of God to get behind us and launch us out to where we need to go, we need to be solid core or we'll disintegrate. Because the pressures of life will come in on us and we will fall apart. And this is where Jesus will stand before you and say, so how, 
How'd you do? How did you do? Was it gold, silver, precious stone? Or was it wood, hay, stubble? And I want it to be gold, silver, precious stone. I want my attitude to be right. I want my heart to be right. And I want to be intentionally going after these things that matter. And not after anything else. I am... I really wish I was not... Valon said to me one day, Becky, your music is just all so deep. Is that, what you, is that how you said it? I don't have any, like, light songs. They're all deep songs. You know, I finally loaded Happy Day. I mean, but even that, you know, like, well, I guess I need to have some lighter songs, you know? Sister says I need to have light songs, so I'll download Happy Day. So I have one Happy Day, 2,247, deep, deep, deep. I believe that really when I went to um, Houston seven years ago, um, I did not form a lot of friendships. And I'm in some ways grateful for that now, but it was hard during those times. But a big reason why I didn't is because that, there's that space of the first meeting until you can appropriately say, say, what's Jesus doing in your life? You know, where you need to talk about your family and why you've moved here and, and you know, all those things. and that light, casual stuff. Jump. <laughs> I don't do that good. Yeah. What's the first question I ask you, Vaughn, within 24 hours? Tell me your story. Tell me your story. Tell me your story. I don't do light stuff. Because we're in a war. And there's an enemy called the devil that's prowling about. And he's a terrorist. He doesn't play and he will get us in our weakest point. So we've got to be intentional and mindful about it. Because at the end of my life, when I stand before Jesus, on that judgment day of Christ, I want a big pile. And I want a well done. I want a well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't want to be like Schindler and say, I sold this car. My challenge to you today, my challenge to you today, Go home and find what can you sell. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. What can you sell to give back to the kingdom of God, to rescue more and bring them in? Because we all got the extra stuff and we can do it and go after it. And be intentional. I love this stuff. You want help making a plan? I'll help you make a plan. This is transformational. This is what it's all about. And we have, a, we have everything we need for life and godliness is right here. And we know how to do it. It tells you how to deal with your body. It tells you how to deal with your mind. It tells you how to deal with your soul, with your spirit, your husband, your kids, your finances, your career, believers and non-believers, all right here. We don't have to figure it out. We just have to dig it out. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of that word. Thank you for these ladies, Lord. And I'm just so grateful they're willing to sit and listen. And I just ask, Lord, that you would um, give them even now wisdom and guidance and understanding of where you would have them, Lord, even in me. Lord, what part of my foundation is wood, hay, stubble? And do I need to start bringing some precious gold, silver in there? What areas of my life do I need to um, make changes? 
Lord, to have a better return, a better reward. Lord, I'm grateful that I do believe I'm fourth soil, and I believe most of these ladies in here are fourth soil ladies. But, Lord, where are we getting just 30? Where are we just getting 60? Where in, a, where, where in my life, Lord, am I a third soiler that I'm just letting the, ter- the worries of this life? Lord, steal my joy. I mean, the thought of leaving on Thursday is pulling out fruitfulness in my life. And, Lord, I don't want that. I want to live today in the fullness that you have for me today and to walk that out. So, Lord, show us where the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth are choking us out. And, Lord, give us eyes to see where we need to shore up and be a real baseball and not just a tennis ball. We love you. We're grateful for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.